Okay, good morning, gentlemen. We are on 6B. Uh, we are, we're going to start two lines from the bottom. Rav Shimon ben Gamliel. We had a bunch of opinions about what to do in a month where you have two adders. And uh, there's, uh, and the question is, if you didn't realize there was going to be another adder, so will the real adder stand up? Which is the one that's the, uh, the most important adder over here? Is it the adder that comes after Shvat? Or is it the adder that's next to Nisan? The first one or the second one? Which is the real McCoy? So Rishim Gamliel said it's definitely the second adder, which is how we hold, that it's definitely the adder before Pesach. That's the one that you have to do. I shouldn't say how we hold because the, the question was what if you did certain things on the first adder by mistake? But we definitely hold that the second adder is the real adder. And what was his reason? So, Rishim Gamliel, my timer. What's the reason of Rishim ben Gamliel that the second adder is the real McCoy? That's the real one, and the first one doesn't count. Now, we all agree that it counts for something. We can't uh, have fast days on the first adder, and we can't have funeral speeches on the first adder. But it, and it's called Purim Cotton, but apparently... If you did the Megillah or you did other stuff, then it won't count. So what's the reason? So first reason given, Omar Rebbe Tuvi Taimid Rishim Gamliel Mas Adif. The reason is that Purim, uh, one redemption leads to another. You want to connect the two. You want to connect Purim, Rashi says, Gu'ula, Gu'ula, Purim, Pesach. You want to connect Purim to Pesach, which is also interesting. You know, that it's... Uh, they bring the 30 days before the Chag, you're supposed to start studying the laws of Pesach. 30 days before Pesach is exactly Purim. And, and they point out, some people say that Purim brings us the joy which will lead to the redemption on Pesach. But if you're lacking that joy, if you don't, that's you know, what brings Geula, you have to first have a positive outlook that kind of kicks in on Purim. That, that's, uh, so that's why it's so important to connect the two. We're saying a svara. Yeah, that's right. That's right, that's right. Very good. Okay, so that's reason number one why the second Adar is more chashuv uh, if you had to pick one uh, because of the fact that it's next to Pesach. That's what supercharges it. Gula, gula. That's answer number one. Answer number two. The reason, the proof. It's a nice svara, but what's the proof uh, what do you do when you have two adders? How do you know which one Chazal meant to, to have the holiday of Purim? So you have to look at the Megillah. Dixiv, it says over there, It says second. What's second over there? So second, Rashi, The word second is telling you it's the second adder. It's hinting to the, it's referring to the second adder. It's um, very not specific. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. That's what it, the second month. Right. That's right. It sounds like the okay. That's that's a good point. So uh, there, that's at least that, see, apparently it's an extra pusik and it's hinting to that. It's almost a drasha. Certainly not referring to the, the, the order, the sequencing of the of the month. I mean, I, I, that's what it's saying. That that this. It, no, yeah. As compared to uh, the, the thing that's more obvious is uh, 
Okay, so that's the, uh, the again, that's, that's another uh, proof to Rishim Gamliel. That's where he gets it from. He understands that it's emphasizing the second to tell you that um, uh, it's the second Adam. The Itzrik Lemiktav Hashenis, Koshana And it writes uh, two things it writes the second one, and it writes also every year. If it only wrote every year, Havamina Kikushin. I would have said, like our question, well, maybe it's the first Adar, the Adar that's next to Shvat, like every year. No, it's the second Adar. It's the Adar next to Nisan, as we've said, uh, that, and that's, uh, that's the one that we celebrate for him. The Yashmin and if it only said the second one, maybe you got to do both. You got, it's, uh, it's Yudalit Adar. Maybe if there's two Adars, you celebrate both. That only one. It's fine. What do they do with that pasuk? They use it for the teaching of Rav Bar Yehuda. That actually Purim, there were two letters. There were two decrees. Esther was kind of held, held up in the palace. She was... Uh, uh, it, it's really like the, um, uh, you know, she um, she was locked up in the in the in the palace, uh, surrounded by idolaters and wicked people, and uh, Klausro was celebrating, and she was sending out uh, messages uh, to Chazal to the ra- the rabbis what uh, she had ruach hakodesh, and she uh, was uh, uh, sending messages. So. She said the following, Bikila originally, when they set up Purim, they were only set it up in Shushan. They felt it was a holiday for Shushan. So there were two stages. That initially, the holiday was in Shushan, where Haman was killed, and then later on, they, uh, they, it spread. So that's what the word Shainis teaches us. There was a second stage. So what happened was Esther sent to the Chachamim Kavuni Lidoris, and she said, "Make me a holiday uh, for um, make make a holiday in memory of what took place here for all future generations." So initially, Shokolahu, they said, "We're sorry, Esther." We can't start up with the nations of the world if we start celebrating the defeat of our enemies. Uh, they'll take it personally. They don't like Jews celebrating the defeat of their enemies. They will say, we're rebelling against them. Shocholel, she said back to them, He said, well, yeah, you won't be said, these, I'm already written in the history books. So there'll be nothing, no new uh, startup in other words, there is a concept of not starting up with the Gentiles. There's a good, there is a concept of not giving them ammunition. It's an important concept. Some people don't seem to worry about these things. You do got to worry about these things. You don't do things that would give the anti-Semites ammunition. But she's saying uh, over here, if they want ammunition, they already got it. It's already there. So um, Rashi, Kvar Suva, four lines up. V'sham you know, they can read what we did to them, Yisrael. It's not like 
they're only going to know that we defeated them. Uh, we hung their Haman's kids and we defeated them in battle. They're only going to know it because they're going to see in the Jewish Megillah it's written. It's written in the history books of Persia. So therefore, she felt that it would not add to the anti-Semitism to do it in the Megillah. Okay. That was the uh, part of the discussion, which we're going to see more about in a second, of... Uh, Esther felt strongly that uh, Purim was meant uh, to be set up as a holiday. And again, again, that was some of the discussion. Okay. Um, Rav, Han, uh, Rav, Rav Hanina, Rav Yochanan, Rav Chaviva, Mastin Bekulu, Seder Moed. There's a, a listing of four rabbis. Again, Rav, Rav Hanina, Rav Yochanan, and Rav Chaviva. Now, uh, whenever this list of four rabbis learned, there's, one, there's two different views of who the four are. Some people say, if you're listing those four, uh, that you got the wrong, it wasn't Yochanan, it was Yonasan. It's a difference of a letter. Okay. At any rate, Shokulahem. So the sages, Shokulahem, Esther Hamalka sent to the sages, Kisvuni Lidoris. She said, uh, I want you to write, write the Megillah, write it down. Uh, and make it part of scripture, uh, and uh, you should do that for future generations. So, again, there was a question what, what, what occurred here. No, everybody agrees it was a great miracle, but would there be a written a part of Tanakh describing it, and would there be a holiday uh, that would always occur? So, Shokhole, so at first they sent to her, Halok Suvilach, doesn't it say the miracle of Purim? That, Nothing in the Jewish people happens in a total vacuum. It's all part of the, the history. The miracle of Purim was the defeat of Amalek. That was really the defeat of Amalek that arose with Haman to destroy the Jewish people. And uh, so when she wrote that we have to have, this should be written down a fourth time, uh, that should be a description of a war with Amalek that was the defeat of Amalek in the time of Purim. So they first wrote her, that the Torah seems to emphasize there's only three great wars with Amalek. Shlashim, Shlishim below Ravim, three times and not four. Uh, so they, they felt that, uh, who said that this was considered a major defeat of Amalek, a war with Amalek? Scripture seems to only hint at three times. Ad Shemosala Mikra, and then somebody found it. In the base Medrash, they were looking for a way uh, to incorporate Purim, and then they found a Torah. And this goes back to something that we've run into a number of times. If something is true on a, uh, from a Torah perspective, you'd have to find a hint to it in the Torah itself. In other words, if something is, is if there's a certain truth, it's going to exist in Torah. So you ha- there, there should be somewhere that you would find it. So if it was true that there's meant to be a rabbinic holiday of Esther, there must be a source for it. So they found it says like this, Kasevzos, Ikara the Sefer. It says, write it in the book, Kasevzos, Maisha Kasev Khan. So what does it mean? You write what's written over here of Mishnah Torah, Zikor, and Maisha Kasev Devim. The Sefer, Maisha Kasev Megillah. And this word, the Sefer, is hinting to an extra time that uh, they'll be written in the Megillah, so that's four times. So there is a hint that there's four major uh, interactions with Amalek. Let's see, Rashi, he brings some of the psukim. Three times in the Torah, there's a mention of war. 
He says if something's three times, you can't make it four. So how can you, you can't just automatically add. There has to be a hint to it. So that, therefore, we're darshaning, we're saying that there's an extra word here, the ubesefer, that hints to the fact that there's the fourth mention of the war with Amalek. This was actually an argument. It says, Kasev Zov, Maishe Kasev Khan, Zikaret. Maishe Kasev Mishneh Torah. Remember the war that's mentioned in Mishneh Torah, B'Sefer. Maishe Kasev Minevim, Divei Rabbi Yeshua. And uh, in other words, just like there's a second mention of the war with Amalek in Shemos, it's in Mishneh Torah, there's a second mention of what happened in, uh, in, in the war that uh, Shol HaMelech had with Amalek. Again, with the, the second mention is over here by Esther. In a certain way, this was unfinished business because Sholemelech, who was Esther's grandfather, left Agag out, so now Esther had to clean up the mess. Esther and Mordecai had to clean up the mess of her grandpa. Okay. And that's in the Megillah. Okay, fine. So this is part of that discussion. Esther he says Megillus Esther is not the real shebang. It's not the real scroll of the Nevi'im. The, the rule is that the really holy scrolls, uh, if you touch them with your bare hands, you've you got to wash. That's a, it's a special halacha that was made about the... Uh, the, 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 the it's, not, it's not true of Svarim, but it's true of, of things that were incorporated in Tanakh. So he says Esther's not included. Does that mean that he says Esther wasn't written with the divine spirit? Omar Shmuel, Shmuel himself taught Esther Baruch HaKodesh Nemra. He agrees that Esther is the holy scroll. It was said with divine inspiration. So the Gemara answers, true, it's divine. Nemra Likros and Nemra Liktov. He said the, the words of Esther were holy, but it doesn't mean that the that it should be ksuvim, that it should be a scroll, that, that the scroll is holy. Meisvei, Lemora has a question. Remeir says, Kohelis ain't a mitami sidayim. Kohelis isn't a holy scroll. But umaklokas b'shir ha-shirim. There's a debate about shir ha-shirim if it made it in. Rabbi Yossi says, shir ha-shirim, no, shir ha-shirim mitami sidayim, the maklokas by Kohelis. Rishim and Omer kolas mekule beishamim mechomer beishilo. It's interesting that Beis Shammai was lenient about Kohelis and Beis Hillel was strict. Right? They held it was a holy scroll. Avo, Rus, Vashir, Shir, and Esther, but all the other scrolls, Metame, Esiodayim. That everybody agrees that Esther did make it in, that it is from the holy scrolls. So, uh, so who is that? That's like Rabbi Yeshua. So again, that we're going to basically the different Megillahs that were added, there were debates whether they were incorporated in Tanakh. What does that mean, incorporated in Tanakh? We have, we have uh, uh, th- those things that Hashem wanted to be part of the Torah and Nevi'in Miksuvim. There are other holy works that were not necessarily part of Tanakh. They actually have a name for them in English. Uh, I forgot what that's called. Agri- uh, apocryphal, right? It's a, whatever, it's a funny word. <laughs> that's a Greek word, apocryphal, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever ever used that in my speeches. I have apocryphal. But any other 
Well, if it has Ruach HaKodesh, then... Well, we're saying uh, all of them have Ruach Right, right, so right. Well, no, we're going to get to Shlomo. It could be that Kohelis, and, uh, there's a reason why they picked on Kohelis. We'll find out in a minute. Yeah. But, uh, so, um, but um, yeah, uh, if it's Ruach HaKodesh, I don't know what the difference would be. So, um, but uh, there was originally, we're saying, a machlokas about, about whether it would be included, but not that it had Ruach HaKodesh, but there are certain scrolls we keep as Torah. What does it mean? We keep them. Does the shul have to have them? Especially if it's Ruach HaKodesh. But it, I hear what you're asking. You're asking, why, why would we... If once you say it as Ruach HaKodesh, so then what's, uh, what's the idea that it doesn't have to be written? It doesn't have to be a scroll. I don't know. Tanya. I, the difference would be whether you have to read from the Megillah or whether if you knew it by heart, you could say it. Is, is it something like a... I think that's, that's the concept. Um, okay. Now let's get into the discussion a little more. You know why Kohelis isn't a scroll? Because it's just wisdom. It's true, it's smart stuff, but smart stuff doesn't make, make it a scroll. Uh, you can't argue that it's just wisdom. You think that's the only smart thing Shlomo said? He said 3,000 Misholim. In other words, and uh, he was very specific about which things were a holy scroll and which things uh, were wisdom. Let's see Rashi. He wrote in Mishle, you don't add. You can't add to the scrolls. You see that these were not just wisdom, but these were something special. My Omar, why does we need a second proof? He said many things. The eboy some of them were meant to be written down. and some not. So Toshma No, if those things that he wrote, the, that he wrote to be included in Tanakh, those were uh, the Hashem uh, taught him, or, or they were written with Ruach Hakodesh to be included in the Holy Scrolls. That's right. It is, yeah, that's, it's, it's, Tanya, Lazomer, Esther, Ruach HaKodesh, never. He says, now, how do you know it was written with Ruach HaKodesh? So, Ruach HaKodesh, we're saying that it means that maybe it's just a record of what happened. Why does it have to be Ruach HaKodesh? Ruach HaKodesh, again, uh, so I, I, I'm not, uh, I think it's, it's a little complicated to define what Holy Spirit means. But in uh, uh, Gemara understood it to mean that we, there are certain things that only God could know. And if you write something with Ruach HaKodesh, it means it's divine wisdom. So how do we know that there's wisdom that he, us humans wouldn't have that's in the Megillah? So he says, I could prove it. In the Megillah, it says, Haman said in his heart, who would the king want to honor more than me? How in the world would we know what Haman said in his heart? When, there was, when they wrote to Megillah, if they were only writing the facts, how could they read his mind? The answer is, it must be that it was dictated from Hashem, that Hashem told him, I know what this guy was thinking in his heart, and I'll tell you, write it here in the Megillah, that he was thinking that uh, there's no one better to honor than me. That was the first proof that we want to bring that the Megillah was written with Ruach HaKodesh. 
Rebbe Kiva says a different proof. It says that whoever saw Esther uh, found favor in her eyes. Everybody liked her. How do we know that? Did we take a survey? How, how do we find out? The answer is that it was Ruach HaKodesh. That Hashem, when he dictated the scroll, he said, put in there that everybody liked her. I, we never surveyed all the nations of the world and all the people of the palace. No, we, we, uh, that's Ruach HaKodesh. Red Mayer says, that's Ruach HaKodesh. It says, Mordechai found out about all the plots, about Haman's plot. How did he find out? The answer is Ruach HaKodesh. In the 127 kingdoms, uh, it says that the Jews, none of them took booty. How did you know? How, how, how in the world would they have known that there was no Jew anywhere in the world when they defeated Amalek, when they defeated the, the anti-Semites, that they didn't take booty? Maybe in a certain country they did. So though, if it was written, it must be Ruach HaKodesh. Um, so that, though, that's a list of proofs of things that are written in the Megillah that can only have been written by the Divine, only by the, the Holy Spirit. Okay, fine. Shmuel said, if I had been there, I think I have a better proof than all of them. <laughs> What's that? It says, In the Megillah it says, they accepted and they received that up, up on high they accepted what, uh, what was accepted down here. In other words, the, uh, the, uh, when we uh, uh, wanted to have Purim as a holiday, they said, you want it? Okay. Up on high, they said, go for it. You know, we're, uh, accepted. How do we know what God accepted? The answer is, Hashem told us to write it down. He was telling us that he accepted it. So that's the proof he wants to bring that uh, you see the, um, uh, that it's written by Ruach HaKodesh. So, um, Again, it's a huge debate, very fascinating debate here about proving that it was written by Ruach HaKodesh. Amar Rav, Lekula Isopircha. Rav said all those earlier opinions you could argue with, except the final opinion of Shmuel, the Lesse Pircha. You won't find a question on that. In other words, the other ones you can say, that's not divine inspiration, but Shmuel, if he says, you know, that they accepted it up there, how would you know? How in the world do we know that Hashem accepted to uh, celebrate Purim? The answer is it's Ruach HaKodesh. So, and why is that? To Rebbe Lazar, he says, uh, you know how we knew what Haman was thinking? Svarahu, it's logic. Because there's nobody else who could be so important to the king like me. He's a Balgaiva. In other words, uh, <laughs> uh, and he kept on talking. He said, it must be me. If you understand the psychology of a Balgaiva, you would have known that that's what he was thinking. That's what he's saying. It's a proof to psychology over here, that you, you hear a person talk and you know what's going on in his heart. That's what he's saying. So it doesn't have to be Ruach HaKodesh. It's the science of understanding a Balgaiva. He likes to talk about himself. Okay. That's what, um, uh, that's what he wants to say. Uh, there is a Rashi over here, Mafjom Tuba. Uh, he said he added things. Yavu Lavahitsu, wear the king's clothes. That he definitely met him. Because uh, why would anybody else want it? He was looking for like some new honors. Those were things that only would be, uh, um, occur to Haman because that's what he wanted. Okay. To Rebbe Kiva, what's the proof of Rebbe Kiva? Dilma Karebbe Lazar. 
Rabbi Kiva said that it's, he never that he knew that everybody accepted Esther. How did he know she was accepted? He says maybe it's the Omar that nobody knew exactly what nation she was from, so everybody claimed her. Each nation said she's one of ours, you know that she's secretly from our nation. So that proves he says that she won the popularity contest. So that also wasn't divine inspiration. The fact that each man on the street said that Esther was one of ours uh, proves it. It's interesting, the more it says that they're going to claim about Mashiach, that uh, Satmar is going to say he's Satmar, and Chabad is going to say he's Chabad, and this one's going to say he's... Um, and each one's going to think he's, he's one of them. And uh, what about Rameir's proof? How did Mordechai find out about the plot to assassinate the king? Uh, so the answer is the Omar Bixav and Serish Neitrisim Habit. Bixon and Serish, those guards, they were from the country of Trash. And uh, Mordechai knew the language of Trash. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't through magic, uh, Ruach HaKodesh, that he found out about the plot, is because he spoke the language. The members of the Sanhedrin were linguists. So it, maybe that wasn't Ruach HaKodesh. Ah, what about Rav Yosim Drusa's proof? How do we know that the different countries didn't take the booty? Maybe they sent out messengers to find out. Maybe that they, they, they sent letters and said, tell us about the, uh, the defeat. Did any of the Jews take booty? So uh, it doesn't say that they didn't do that. So they, uh, who, who said it's divine inspiration? But Shmuel, Shmuel you can't ask. Uh, how would you know that up on high they accepted it? Uh, there's an expression that people have that uh, many people say this expression, that one sharp pepper is better than a whole bowl of uh, melons. In other words, if you're flavoring food, you can add a lot of uh, bland melons and it won't. You got one good uh, uh, sharp pepper, it's going to change. What do you call that kind of pepper? A, uh, jalapeno. a jalapeno. You add one jalapeno, you add a whole bunch of other melons, it's not going to do anything. You add one that, whoa, this is, uh, it's going to do that. So he's saying that, uh, that a shmuel was one sharp pepper, he, he was better than the whole bunch. Korev Yosu Amrei Hacha, it says like this. He says, I got a different proof. It says, that throughout history, Jews always will keep Purim. How do you know? We had a, in the Gilas Tainus that there were holidays that disappeared. So that had to be Ruach HaKodesh, to know in the future that Jews wouldn't give up Purim. Rav Nachman Bar they'll always remember it. So it's a similar idea. Okay. Now we get to Matanus of Yoni Taner of Yosu, Each person will send to his fellow person, Shtei Matanus. Uh, so it says plural. So it's two matanos le'ishach. You could, you could send two gifts to one person and do matanos le'vionim. I'm sorry, and do uh, manas. You send manos, that's two manos to one person. Umatanos le'vionim, and to the poor. matanos So to do matanos uh, le'vionim, you have to send two gifts to two different people. Now we get into some stories about Sherlock Manus from the sages. He sent him a side of beef from a three-year-old cow. That's the best. Some of the best steaks. Uh, that's good stuff. And he sent him a jug of good wine. So as we turn the page, he says, You did both with that. He said you did Sherlock Manus, 
and you also helped out the poor uh, because you gave them something that was usable for the Purim Suda. This is some of the discussion we have today, which is that people send Shalach Manas, but it's not always something that people can actually eat or would want to eat on Purim. The, the, the ideal form of Shalach Manas is um, the other part of it is that if they're sending to people that are poor and you want to help them, it should be help them something they don't have to buy. Uh, Rabbah, I mean, the truth is we send much more Shalach Manas than is needed for the mitzvah. There's the idea of exp- expanding friendship. And so friendship, we just, you know, so that's, if you're going to do friendship to dozens of people, you can't send them all a side of beef and a jug of wine. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of side of beef. Um, Rabba, Shadalei Lamari Barmar, Bayada Baye. Rabba, who was the new, uh, the head of the academy, he said to the great Amari Barmar, Amari, uh, the son of the master, and he sent him a, a nice Shalach Manas in the hands of a Talmud Chacham of Abaye. And this is what he sent him. Mole Taska de Kisva, u Mole Kisa Kamkav Dashuni. He sent him a whole Taska, a whole bag of dates and a whole uh, cup of popcorn, of popped wheat. So he sent him, uh, he sent him, it looked like a large amount. So Omer Le Abaye, uh, Abaye said, Hasha, Abaye, didn't, uh, Abaye was the messenger, but uh, he was a little disappointed in the quality of the Shalach Manas. He said, you're going to send that to him? He's going to say, I chakla, he said, if you take a peazant and turn him into a king, he, the, uh, he never the, um, uh, he still has his, his uh, work stuff on his neck, meaning uh, you've become now you're, uh, you've become uh, you're the Rosh Shiva, you're the head of the academy, you're wealthy now, and you're still sending poor Shalachmanis. you're sending popcorn, popped wheat and dates so um, that, that's, that was Abaye's opinion. Um, uh, uh, Rashi, Hashda Omar Mori, four lines. Actually, if you Omar Mori, Alacha, he kalkamali, the Kuru Mitzvah, Lenoz, Hasal Shairai, Laholik, Bodena, Benkfar, the same basket, the same foods you used to eat when you were the son of a villager, Michael of Behemto, uh, that you fed your animals, Lo Yorid Ata Merosha. You can't change old habits. Kagata Nasa Melech for Rosh Pompadisa. You're a king. You're the head of the Academy of Pompadisa. And all you send is just this, these cheap foods, popcorn, popped wheat. You know, it's not, uh, he, he didn't approve, but okay. I'm not sure if he Common didn't. Stuff. What? Common stuff. Common stuff. Yeah, you're sending them like, uh, you're not sending them anything special. You're supposed to send something special for Shalchmanis. Uh, now, what did the rabbi send him back? He sent him a tiska of zingvola, ginger. Zingvola is ginger. Uh, and he sent him a, a, whole, a whole thing of long peppers, which is a pretty nice present. But, but Abaye, he was the critic. He didn't, you know, whatever you sent him, he's, you're going to get his two cents. So Abaye said, you're going to send him back Ginger and pepper. Omar Abaye, Hashta Omar Mar, Anashadr Lechuya, I sent you sweet stuff. The Ihu Shadr Lechurpa, he sent me back sour. Sending me back sour grapes. <laughs> Can't send just sour stuff back, you know. It's a, so that was Abaye's comment. Um, apparently, when you send Shalach Manas, sometimes you're sending a message. 
or when, when certain people send to certain people, you might you look at the shalach matas you're getting, and you'll see what's he trying to tell me. <laughs> right? So that's the story here of Abai. Omer Abai. He said, when I left the academy of the master, I was full. Ki when I reached his house, they fed me 60 different dishes. I ate 60 pulgis. I didn't think I was hungry. And they kept on serving me different dishes, and they ate the whole thing. 60 cooked dishes. And on the last one, they called it sleek hater. They called it pot roast. The one that licked the dish. I wanted to eat the dish afterwards. So uh, um, Abai was saying, like, I was shocked. I didn't even realize how hungry I was. And they fed the food over there. It was unbelievable. Amr Abai, that's people have a saying, sometimes a person is hungry and he doesn't realize it. That's, it's definitely, I've, I've seen that. Sometimes you don't think you're hungry at all, and then you start eating, and before you know it, <laughs> that's what Abai said. Inami He said that uh, there's always room for something really good. Somebody brings out a good dessert. You know, you were full, but there's Ravka Lebesi Meshkiach. You always find space. They brought out these dishes in honor of Abaye. Somehow he made room. They kept on 60 different dishes. Other people say, by the way, that these were spiritual dishes. This was Divrei Torah. In other words, he was saying, I thought I knew it all, and then I went over there, and they brought out these unbelievable things that it was so exciting, these spiritual things. And you'll see over here that a Gemara is definitely talking in a Gadata. So if it's talking in a Gadata, so that it makes sense that they're not talking about food over here. Uh, but let's continue. Abaye bar oven, v'revchinina bar oven, hadadi. They used to switch off, uh, meaning that one year one would invite one, and the other year the, they would eat at the other. Rashi mixes It could be they were poor, and so this way they, they switched off. But uh, it's telling us that was they, they would every year they would switch off. This is a famous teaching, and by the way, the Rambam Paskins like this. A person is obligated to drink on Purim, to get festive. Until they don't know the difference between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. Now, people like to say that it doesn't mean uh, to drink. It means to, if a person celebrates so much, uh, they reach a level of high. Or some people say that means that you should go to sleep, and when you're sleeping, you don't know. But let's look at Rashi over here. Rashi will have none of that. Uh, Rashi. Um, Thank you. Uh, la besume. It says la besume lishtaker beyayin. <laughs> he says it means to get drunk with wine. So by the way, he was against drinking whiskey. Rashi seems to emphasize la besume. You're obligated to drink wine. Other people say you could drink other stuff. <laughs> but, uh, what? Either or, right? <laughs> but Rashi says Rashi said doesn't mention sleeping over here or just he says you're obligated to. Uh, this idea that uh, the miracles in Purim took place at, uh, at uh, settings where there was drink. Again, it doesn't mean that a person should get sick, and clearly a person shouldn't drink if they know drinking will make them uh, violate the Torah, do strange things, uh, which, you know, some, 
when people lose control, then, then they lose control. So obviously that that's not what's meant over here. Yes. Um, well, let's look at Tosus. The Lord of Bain, uh, Bain Orahama Borach Mari Rishalmi, Aru Rizerish, Brucha Esther. Aru im Ko Rishoyim, Baruchim Ko Yehudim. So Tosus adds to that question. Um, some people say that there's this complicated poem and that it means so the person can't read the poem. In other words, that if you stop and say, Borach Mordechai, everybody knows there's been blessed as Mordechai and cursed. You've got to be really stone drunk not to know that. But if you say that to memorize the whole poem, when a person drinks a little bit, it's like uh, try to say, he sells seashells on the seashore. You know, like it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's a tongue twister. According to, they learn the way Tosus is saying that it's, uh, it means to drink till you can't do the tongue twister. It's not quite the... Uh, um, I don't know if the Boruch and the Or is the uh, is the important. Uh, that many people talk about this 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 statement. A person is obligated to uh, the Basubi. Actually, they doesn't isn't clear that it means drunk. Although that's what Rashi says. Basumi Rashi says But now other people don't take it that way necessarily. It means a person is supposed to be festive. Okay, back to the mark. The Gemara, now, from the Gemara's story, it certainly sounds like getting drunk. Rabbi Rezeira of Rusudas Purim about it. They celebrated Purim. The Ipsim, he got drunk. Come, Rabbi Shechted Rebzeira. Rabbi got up and he Shechted Rebzeira. Killed him. Lamacher, in the next morning, he woke up and says, What did I do? Boy, Rachme, he davened ve'ichya, and he brought him back to life. Lashana, the next year, they, before Purim, he said, Nesimar, let's, uh, last year was a ball. Why didn't you come by again this year? So this Purim body. See what happens when you drink. Not every year will there be a miracle. So some people bring this as proof that it doesn't mean to get stone drunk. Other people bring this as proof that that can't be that, that's what it's talking about, that he shafted him. That's, uh, uh, so then what does it mean? So does it mean he embarrassed him? Does it mean... Uh, you know, he took him apart. I don't know. It's a very interesting Gemara, this Gemara, Rabban Ribzer. Okay, next. Amarava, Sudas Purim Shokabalai, Loisa Kavasso. If you eat the, the Purim Suda at night, even though the nighttime is Purim, and even though you read the Megillah, you didn't, you, you're not done. You didn't fulfill your obligation. My time, you may, Mishnah, it says days of, it has to be during the day. Ravashi Yavayas, the commander of Kana, Nagwalos Rabbanan. He was in the study hall, and the rabbis didn't come to class. Where's everybody? Maybe they're busy at their suda. They didn't come to Dafyomi. What's going on? He said, why couldn't they eat the suda at night and not miss the classes during the day? He said, didn't the master know? You can't fulfill your mitzvah of Purim by eating at night. He said, is this what he said? In. He asked him, Tani mina, he learned it from him 40 times, but until he had it um, like uh, put into his, uh, in his wallet, so to speak. Basically, this teaching that uh, Purim cannot, has to be celebrated during the day and not at night, since he didn't know it, he reviewed it 40 times to make sure that he fully understood it and locked it away. 
Last Rashi before the Mishnah, Nagavalasa Rabbanan, Ikrahiyoma got late, Ulobo Tamino, the base Medrash. They didn't show up in the study hall. And you know, these Purim suitors, sometimes they go late. You know, you don't control, uh, don't control them. Okay, new Mishnah. Um, and again, there's a lot of discussion about this. Let's see. Ein bein of l'shabes ela ochol nefesh bilvad. We got onto the the Mishnah got into a pattern. If you remember, when they learned Mishnah, it was all oral law. They had it totally memorized. So we mentioned the the difference between Adar Rishon and Adar Sheni. There's no difference. So it got the Mishnah on a roll, so to speak, of the Ein beins. And so the subject's going to change. But the format is going to stay the same. And the format is Ein Bain. So we're going to get off Megillah for a few Mishnahis and get into the Ein Bains. There's no difference. So again, the Mishnah original, uh, we said there's no difference between the first Adar and the second Adar. That was our whole subject. Now we're going to change the subject to other halachas where there's no difference. Ein Bain, what, and it's, the first one is Shabbos and Yantif. Ein Bain Yantif, the Shabbos, the only difference is Shabbos and Yantif. Both of them you're not allowed to work. Is then Yantif, though, you could do things for Ochel Nafish for food. So the Morris said, What about indirect things for cooking? So they're both equal, you're not allowed to do them. So it must, that must be not like Rabbi Huda, Tanya, The only difference is what you need for food. He permitted even indirect things for food. My time, uh, what's the debate about? Only it, only what's needed for food, not the indirect thing. The, um, the question here would be, uh, you're allowed to take a knife and cut up food, but you're not allowed to create a knife. That's a makshir. That's an indirect thing. That, that would be the question whether you could do a makshir uh, for yantif. Um, no, once anything needed, you can do. The edach, I it says lechem for you. He says we learn not from lechem, but lochachav. You're allowed to do things for your food, but you're not allowed to cook food for non-Jews on yantif. Lechem below lechavim, you can't cook the food for the dogs either. The edach nami aksiv who? It doesn't it say who? Siv who? Aksiv it says both. Kam makshirin she'efshalasas the erev yantif. If you could have done it before yantif, then you're not allowed to break yantif to do it. And if it's something that you couldn't have done ahead of time, then you're allowed to do it on Yantif. There is, Rashi says an example of a, a Maksher. Uh, if the, the knife uh, became rough, are you allowed to sharpen it on, uh, in order to cook? If it broke on Yantif, you couldn't have done anything. So if, if it was dull before Yantuf, you're not allowed to sharpen it in order to cook on Yantuf. If it became dull on Yantuf, then you would be. That, that, that's the question of whether it's a makshir. Uh, the fixing of the knife is a makshir. We're not talking about cooking food. We're talking about fixing a knife. The question was, could it have been done ahead of time? It's a subject that deserves more time, but it's really a Shabbos uh, Yantuf subject more than a Megillah subject, and we got a new Mishnah. Okay, new Mishnah... Ain bain Shabbos Leom Another Ain bain. No difference. No difference. What Shabbos is, uh, Yom Kippur is called Shabbos Shabboson. It's also a type of Shabbos. There's really no difference between the laws of Shabbos and the laws of Yom Kippur, except the punishment. Shazab Bidei Adam. Shabbos, the courts will punish you. There's a, a Shabbos was Mises Bezdin. Vizab Bidei Adam. Vizab is done in On Yom Kippur, if a person violates it, 
he gets cut off. That's from the heavens. It's a different, the punishment comes from a different place. But the laws are the same. Let's see the Gemara. What about food? Oh, not about food, about what kind of work is forbidden. The law is about what kind of work is forbidden for Yom Kippur and Shabbos. So, so you're right, like Shabbos, you make Kiddush. Yom Kippur, you're not allowed to eat. You know, we don't mean that all the rules, those rules are the same. We just mean as far as working, as far as the malacha you're allowed to do, they're both, for any kind of work you can't do on Shabbos, you can't do that work on Yom Kippur. Uh, the only difference is whether it's forbidden by pain of a court's punishing or by the heavens punishing. So the Morris said, Hadl Well, what about if uh, somebody, uh, the laws of payment? What about if somebody, uh, there's, uh, if somebody lights up their neighbor's uh, wheat pile? So the question is, let's see Rashi. Uh, if you lit up, your, let's say you went out of shul to smoke and you lit up your neighbor's pile. So the, the rule is the following, that uh, we have a famous rule that when we're going to kill somebody, we don't make them pay. We don't, do, we don't make them, in other words, let's say a person shoots somebody and kills them. So we're going to take him out and kill him. He killed somebody, but we're not going to make him pay for the bullet hole in the person's shirt because uh, we don't make him pay. Uh, he has to give the ultimate penalty of his life, and then we're not going to deal with... Now, he's, he really should pay the, the estate back, but that's not something the courts will do. They deal with the death penalty. They're not going to deal with the Teshulman. So the question here is, let's say on Yom Kippur, a person lit up his neighbor's wheat stock. And let's say at Shabbos he lit up the wheat stock. So the rule is for Shabbos, we're going to punish him with death for making a fire. So we're not going to deal with the fact that he also damaged his neighbor's property. On Yom Kippur, the courts won't punish him. God will punish him. Maybe, can, we sue, can the neighbors sue him to pay for the wheat stack? So this sounds like for Teshuma they'd be the same. So money must be said. This is actually debatable, and it sounds, our Mishnah must be Reb Nechunya Benekana. The time Reb Nechunya Benekana, I also say, Yom Kippur, Yom Kishabbos, the Teshulman. He said they're, they're the same. My Shabbos, Mishchai Benachshu, just like on Shabbos, if a person committed a capital crime, he owes his life. Upatim in the we're not going to deal with, we're not going to make him pay. Af Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, he also owes his life. It's just, it's not going to be taken by the court, it'll be taken by God. Mishchai Benachshu, Upatim in Teshulman. Okay, fine. That's the argument over there. The, the other argument would be, since the courts aren't going to take his life, maybe the courts could take his money. Ah, God's going to take his life? That's, that's a different thing. We don't, the, the courts, this idea that you don't do double, is it that the courts don't do double? Or is that a person doesn't get double? It's a little bit of a debate about that. We learned over there, What happens if we whip the daylights out of him uh, for violating Yom Kippur? So will he still get the punishment? So they're not going to get punished from God if they got punished down here. Once he's whipped, in other words, even though a person gets cut off from up high, the courts will do him a favor over here and uh, give him a nice whooping. And then uh, once he does that, he'll, he, he won't have to worry about being cut off. Not everybody agreed to that. Omar Rava, Omar Bey Rav, Tanina, we learn, ain't Bein Yom Kippur in the Shabbos. And the proof that not everybody agreed, we says Yom Kippur and Shabbos aren't different. One of them, the punishment, if you did it on purpose, is through the, the courts. And Yom Kippur, the punishment is Koras. 
Ve'imisa, and if it's true, there's another difference. If you could whip somebody that's going to be cut off, uh, the question here is when God's, when the Torah says, cut off, the person will be cut off if they violate something. And we say that doesn't mean the courts kill him. Does that mean the courts whoop him? So if you say the courts whoop him, so there is, uh, there is a punishment down here. It's a very intrinsic debate. If somebody violates a chorus, do the courts whip him or not? He says, no. He says, we don't whip him. He says, Chayve Krisis would, would have been included. The laws of Shabbos, uh, I'm sorry, these are the laws of, uh, uh, um, of adultery and immoral. Why does it mention a person's cut off if they have relations with their sister? Usually you whip a person if they have an improper relationship. By when he has relations with his sister, we don't whip him, he gets cut off. So that's telling us that we whip him, uh, we don't whip him. So you don't whip for chorus. Ravashi says, no, really, you do whip. Even like there are a bun of the chorus. The question is where the main penalty is. So again, there's a huge debate here when somebody's going to be cut off from the heavens, do the courts get involved and do they give him a whooping or not?